Why doesn't God answer our cries for help, deliverance, and healing? Ever ask that question? Why does he sometimes lead us into situations of difficulty and danger? Why does our knowledge of Scripture, our knowledge of the promises that he's given us, seem inadequate? Why does God seem to ignore our grief, our sorrow, and our pain? Why does he choose to deliver some, but not all? Some he heals, some he doesn't. And finally, why does he allow evil men to prevail over his children? These six questions are answered in this chapter. They're answered with an ultimate answer, the primary answer. And then there's a secondary answer that goes along with it. And we're going to look at these as we go through this chapter. It's a long chapter. I'm going to have to hit each section lightly and briefly, but I do hope that you walk away strengthened, encouraged, and nourished. Let's look first of all at the first six verses, and the main focus of these six verses is the Lord Jesus himself. It says, now a certain man was sick. Let me just point out, when Scripture says a certain man, uh, it's important for us to pay attention. And sometimes Jesus tells what we think are parables, and they're not parables at all. When he says in what looks like a parable, the rich man and Lazarus being an example, there was a certain rich man and a certain beggar. He's talking about real people. That's a story of something that actually happened. So a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. The sisters sent to the Lord Jesus, saying that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus gives us the ultimate answer to all the questions in verse 4 when he says, this is for the glory of God. I want you to think about your problems, your difficulties, your anxieties, whether personal or national, and I want you to consider that what's happening is for the glory of God. God permits things to happen in our lives that are not good. God allows people to do things in this world that are not good, that are evil. But we need to understand that he is working in and through all of those things for an ultimate purpose. There's a reason why every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's going to be because of the evidence. And the evidence when people see their lives in, in light of the perfect plan of God and his wisdom in working in their life, it's going to cause every knee believer and unbeliever alike to fall down and to confess and acknowledge who he is so that the glory of God may be seen and the Son of Man, the Son of God glorified. We're told twice here that Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, and he loved Lazarus, he whom you love is sick, and yet he stayed two more days. Where Jesus was staying was about 20 miles from 
uh, Bethany, where Lazarus, Martha, and Mary were, and it would have taken a day if they really moved to get there. He waits two more days before going. Somewhere along the line in that time, Lazarus dies. So the Lord Jesus really illustrates why doesn't God come when we call? Many people forget what happened at the end of John chapter 4. Do you remember? Do you remember the nobleman that came to Jesus? And he had a son that was sick. And he asked Jesus to come with him. He was urging him, pleading with him, please come with me. My son is sick. Come before he dies. And Jesus says, go home. Your son's well. They were about as far apart as Jesus is from Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Why didn't he just say, Lazarus is well? He chose to heal one in that way. He chose not to heal Lazarus. Lazarus, of course, had to die. Why doesn't God answer when we call? In verse 7 to 16, we see the focus shift to the disciples, and it says, after he said this, uh, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. This presents a problem for them. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? Are you going to walk right into danger? And Jesus answered and said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Very important lesson for us here. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? We have fellowship with one another. And that fellowship makes all the difference in the world with anything we may go through. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Have you ever stopped and thought that when you stumble over what's happening in your life, maybe you're not walking in the light? Maybe you're not relying on that fellowship that's available to you? Verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, and this is going to shock you, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. Well, he didn't quite say it that way. Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Now we get to the secondary answer to the problems. What's the primary answer? God's glory. That Christ might be glorified. The secondary answer is here. I am glad for your sakes I was not there that you may believe. Could I ask you a question? Do you think the disciples were already believers? Think they were already believers? Of course they were. They had already believed in Jesus Christ. They had already believed that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was the one that was promised. And yet Jesus says to them, what's happening here is happening for your benefit. That you may believe. Could I suggest to you that though you're a believer, you may not keep on believing? Though we are believers, most of us here, I hope if there's anyone that walked through those doors without Christ, I hope you walk out with Christ a changed person, having trusted him as your savior, that answer is coming up. But we need to keep learning and we need to keep growing and we need to keep believing because, you might want to write this one down, salvation faith is not living faith. 
You trusted Christ at that point where you saw him as the savior of your soul, the savior of the world. You trusted in him, you believed in him, and unfortunately too many believers think that's all it takes. But that's not going to carry you through life. You're going to have to keep believing and keep believing and constantly be growing. And so he says that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. In other words, if he's going to go down there and get killed by the Jews, we may as well go and get killed along with him. Why does God lead us into difficult and dangerous situations? The solution for you and I, the solution for the doubts, the fears, the anxieties of the disciples who have now pretty much resigned themselves to go die with Jesus. Let's go die with him. They're all answered by his word, his plan, and his purpose for our life.